Welcome to Subtle Beast, everybody. I am your host, Foltz. With me, as always, my partner in crime and main man and co-host, Mr. Steve Apostolopoulos. How are you, brother? It's been a while. I know, man. I'm feeling good. How are you? I feel great. I feel great. Uh, you know, we uh, haven't been in the studio recently, or we haven't put out any material, I should say, recently, uh, but uh, not as often in the in the studio as we'd like to be. Um, I missed you, brother. Foltz, where you been? I've just, you know... Kind of sometimes life just gets in the way, some things. But uh, we're back, and uh, we're ready to uh, to deliver a show that uh, that we've been working on for a little while. So yeah, man. So um, I'm into it. Um, what are your thoughts on tonight? Oh, this. Uh, I mean, I love all of our shows uh, equally, but as far as this show goes, I know that. This is uh, Folks, this yeah. is off the cuff, Steve. What is going on here? I I just have this feeling right now that that uh, we should do that show right there. See that show? Oh, so you're saying you want to switch gears and go off the cuff and do a different show with tonight? Now I got no problems with uh with the show that you're selecting, but uh, I, I mean it's it's definitely our wheelhouse, and we can uh we can do it without a pre-show or whatever i think i'm not saying that the show isn't great that we have right here in our hand but that show on the shelf is i think where we should go steve tonight. throwing a curveball into tonight not even bringing me in on it yeah i'll, I'll get i'll do it i'll do it just let me get it Fultz down is getting the show Pulling the show off the all shelf. Right, all right, I got it. So, God, I'm so glad you're into this. I can't say that I'm mad at this idea. You know, once in a while we throw each other for a curveball. Uh, I don't know if you guys could ever really pick up on anything, but um, well, probably not because it's it's inside for me and Steve. But sometimes before we start our recordings, we'll be like, okay, you have to work these words in to conversations and stuff like that or song titles and stuff right. like that so we play some games so steve's playing one on me tonight but i can't say that i'm angry with him because uh it's a good show and we're going to take it back to the root of extraterrestrials and aliens and all that kind of good stuff so good call steve i say i'm feeling it brother i'm feeling it tonight i mean a little cold going into this so uh this may not uh play out in any uh particular order but uh it's going to be fun nonetheless, so I'm up to the challenge, Steve. All right, all right. Now we got it going on. All right, so, well, just looking at what we have here, just what was on top. We'll just go off the cusp there. Um, uh, there was a, uh, a – so, well, speaking on the credibility of UFOs and extraterrestrials and space travel – and all the things that uh, are familiar here at Subtle Beast, there's a lot of different avenues and a lot of different places where you can go for information. But when some information comes out on the level of the former Israeli space security chief saying that ETs exist and that um, at the time that he said that, that President Trump was aware of it, I mean... The the head of the, I think it was like the head of the Canadian Air Defense. It was it was the Canadian Prime Minister, oh, the ex Canadian Prime Minister. Okay, so the ex ex Canadian Prime Minister, we have the former Israeli space security chief saying that ETs exist, and uh, basically the country of France has declassified all of their UFO. So I mean, a lot of buzz right now. If, if in a court of law, we were looking at people with credibility to give testimony for you. Would the former Israeli space security chief or the, uh, what was it, Steve? from Ex-Canadian Can Prime ex Minister. Ex-Canadian Prime Minister. I mean, who's not going to take their, so what? They got out of office and now all of a sudden they're crazy and they don't know what they're talking about? Right. They're just about as credible as you can get. I mean... Yeah, I mean, especially within the uh, defense. Uh, I mean, well, the Canada, he was in charge of everything. And the, the Israeli space security chief, I mean, he was involved in, well, he had a lot to say. So, yeah, I'm just going to go over a little bit about him. Now, now the, the former Israeli space security chief 
had sent eyebrows shooting heavenward by saying that Earthlings have been in contact with extraterrestrials from a galactic federation. Now, if you've been with us from the beginning, uh, some of our uh, old shows that we've done, we've talked about this galactic federation. So it's awesome to hear uh, a person of this statute coming out and actually saying those words. The the unidentified flying objects have asked not to publish that they are here. Humanity is not ready yet. Hayam Ashed, former head of the Israeli Defense Ministry Space Dictoriate, told Israelis Yedowit Anharnat newspaper. The interview in Hebrew ran on Friday and gained traction after parts were published in English by the Jerusalem Post on Tuesday. A respected professor and retired general, Ashed, said the aliens were equally curious about humanity and were seeking to understand, quote, the fabric of the universe. Ashed said cooperation agreements had been signed between species, including an underground base in the depths of Mars, where there are American astronauts and alien represent representatives. There is an agreement between the U.S. government and the aliens. They signed a contract with us to do experiments here, he said. Ashed added that President Donald Trump was aware of the extraterrestrial existence and had been on the verge of revealing information, but was asked not to in order to prevent, quote, mass hysteria. I kind of remember when Trump was on the fence there. It seemed like he was going to go. Yeah, I mean, so it makes you think, um, was he told this information back early in his presidency because well, I think like uh, into his second second year, he had come out with Space Force. Right. So, I mean, that to me would almost be a response. And that's how he... That's how his presidency went. He got new information, responded. New information, responded. Yeah, and uh, look, I mean, it, it could be very well why there some people within both sides of the party uh, wanted him out so badly. Because if you think back to, uh, we've talked about it many times in this podcast, but uh, Stephen Greer, who we uh, highly respect, has said many times that there is nothing that is more sensitive in the top secret realm than the uh, the alien agenda or the alien presence here on Earth. So if you think about it, if 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 uh, former President Trump had that information and started a space force, don't you think that these, I'll just say, entities within the deep state would start to get a little nervous because look what uh, this Israeli space security chief is saying, that there's an underground base on Mars and uh, Americans and extraterrestrials working together there, and not not only there, but on Earth. So imagine guys like uh, Elon Musk who are planning on going there, or Space Force planning on going there, and or the moon, where we've discussed on uh, past podcasts that believe that there's a lot going on up there. Uh, well, that would just blow the lid right off of it, because I think that if Space Force went up there and they had to, unless they were, unless these astronauts that were used in Space Force, these military men or women were intercepted by Deep State, if they reported back what they saw to Trump, I think that he would have disclosed it during his presidency, if Space Force would have been that advanced at the time. Right. I think if it was a U.S. government project, possibly a private citizen project i think would be way more open to lines of communication to the mass public well i think that elon is 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 working on that for within the next year or so yeah i think it's like 2022 2024 he's trying to get us up there so now is it going to be i haven't looked into it enough but i wonder if it's going to be like a virgin galactic where they take you up into the atmosphere you're up there probably seconds and then you come back down but i mean you see space Oh, you're talking about private, uh, yeah, private for private citizenship rides to citizens. Yeah, I mean, Elon's big thing is that he's landing a rocket on Mars, uh, a manned mission to Mars. He's going to send rockets up beforehand. As far as like a a ride, like a just a scenic, you know, ride into space. I don't know what that would all entail. I wouldn't want to be up there too long. Well, yeah. Well, we were talking about uh, before we were about to launch into a different show tonight, but uh, just in pre-show, we were talking, or Steve was telling me about the astronaut training program for Mars, right? Where they only lasted like six days and they're already turning on each other. Oh, yeah. that That is a... a the, so they're out in like, you know, 
Death Valley or something, and they're running these um, scenarios where they right. have a training ship and they're putting the crew in there. And this one, it was uh, Soul Eight, and they were already fighting for their lives throughout the night. So there's different problems that happen. Maybe oxygen tanks blow or something, and they've got to deal with these different problems. Yeah. So Soul Eight is just a, a little bit longer than eight days because I think a, a day on Mars is twenty four and a half hours or something like that. So they lasted roughly eight days, and the latest data in. Uh, from what I was watching uh, via Tesla <coughs> and SpaceX, it's an eight-month trip. Right. And they lasted eight days. Yeah. I mean, it, there is definitely going to be a learning curve, and I think that no one should go into that mission not thinking that there is a high probability of death to all. It's it's prob- It's a one-way trip. It's probable that the uh, conditions in the beginning will be so harsh that it's going to take a few times to get up there before we get that civilization seeded. There's going to be a lot of um, psychology therapy that needs to go into prepping for something like that. I mean, look at the tragedies that just came out of, I hate discussing it anymore, but uh, you know, the, the early days of the lockdown when, uh, in a, when you couldn't go anywhere, nothing was open, you know, suicide rates went up. Uh, I mean, Look, what that could happen. You don't want that to happen in an astronaut because at least in our environment, you know, everyone was like, I'm going crazy bearing hair at home. Well, you could walk outside. Maybe there's nowhere to – you're in this capsule where the, there is negative 400 degrees outside and nothing around you for thousands, billions of miles, and this is what you're relying on. I mean, the psyche – it would, I couldn't do it. Right. You would have that horrible feeling of aloneness, be solitude. Um, I, I don't think that, you know, in the beginning of the mission, people would initially like sabotage it and just walk outside and, you know, try to kill themselves. I think they would, in the beginning, try to push on so that the mission would be successful. But that always plays into it. The psyche always plays into a mission. Because, and yeah, and, and I would think that's, of a mission of that size, there's always something to be doing to sustain life that you're not having conversations outside of the mission and not having that type of human connection will drive you crazy too. Like, well, how are you? They don't care how you are. Fix the oxygen levels in here. (laughs) Right. You know? Right. So I don't know. Well, I don't even remember where I left off. Bear with us as this is uh, straight off, straight off the, the presses, if you will. From the back shelf. All right. Uh, So I said, okay. So they have been waiting until a day for humanity to develop and reach a stage where we will understand in general what space and spaceships are, Shed said, referring to the Galactic Federation. Now, the White House and Israeli officials do not immediately respond to any mainstream media news requests for comment. Sue Gog, a spokesperson for the Pentagon, declined to comment, of course. Now, a spokesperson for NASA said one of the agency's key goals was the search for life in the universe, but that it had yet to find signs of extraterrestrial life. Now, quote, although we have yet to find signs of extraterrestrial life, NASA is exploring the solar system and beyond to help us answer fundamental questions, including whether we are alone in the universe, the spokesman said. Now, Ashed's idea are spelled out in more detail in the Universe Beyond the Horizon conversations with Professor <laughs> Professor, Professor Haim Ashed, and uh, that book was published in November. So I have a, a little science that I'll drop later on in the show regarding that question of, are we alone in the universe? Uh, some guys got together and made some pretty accurate uh, projections as to are we okay. so uh stay tuned for that one. Oh, okay all right steve pulling out another little left left field curve on me you must have been really liking this show when we were putting it together I really did. coming I prepared with little <laughs> side day you knew what you were doing when you got up this morning <laughs> so let's see okay well where do we want to take this next uh okay we're doing that da, da, da. uh what about uh well, in, in, in more recent news, as far as uh, UFOs go, um, the Pentagon confirmed some situations. Steve, you want to take a little, little uh, gander at that? 
The Pentagon confirmed the creation of an agency designed to track potential UFOs. So we all know that they're coming in here. Now the Pentagon has actually confirmed, for once they've confirmed something, that they have an agency designed to track them. Known formally as the Unidentified Aerial Phenomenon Task Force, or UAPTF, the office established August 4th will operate within the purview of the Undersecretary of Defense for Intelligence and Security. The Department of Defense established the UAPTF to improve its understanding and gain insight into the nature and origins of UAPs. The Pentagon said in a statement released uh, previously, the mission of the task force is to detect, analyze, and catalog UAPs that could potentially pose a threat to U.S. national security. I dig. Now, the office will also track the incursions of unauthorized aircraft into training ranges or otherwise restricted airspace, including those when the person who reports the aircraft cannot immediately identify it. Well, that makes sense. Rumors circulated a couple months ago about the existence of the office and the Senate committee. Their reports indicated a similar office was examining potential UFOs through the U.S. Office of Naval Intelligence. An agency known as the Advanced Aerospace Threat Identification Program was disbanded in 2012, years before its existence was revealed by the New York Times. The Pentagon immediately said that what they, pr- they, prompted, they prompted the reestablishment of the office, which is interesting because all this talk, I mean, there's so much talk in the media now. I mean, if we go back, um, I think it was in, well, gosh. December of 2016 or 17, if I'm recalling, that that uh, what they were calling was just a, a big rock formation, uh, Hamuamua, came flying by Earth. And they were like, oh, they thought it was weird because it came from interstellar space. It was the first thing of that size that came from interstellar space. Um, but then it made a weird turn. Like, it, it was heading towards our sun, and some were projecting that maybe or, or – that it was gathering energy from the sun because then it like slingshot in like a completely different uh, direction on its way out of our solar system and and back into interstellar space. But recently a professor in Harvard came forward saying that he believes that that was either an eat an actual ET craft doing a flyby or on its way to somewhere else, or that it was some type of ET AI, uh, what do you say? Spacecraft, that was out doing uh, surveillance and came past Earth and was just like, okay, there's that planet. And was yeah, like, a little recognizance. Yeah, and then just you know, slang, slingshotted around the sun and then off to wherever else. Now, I mean, here again, we come back to credibility. If, if a professor from Harvard is incredible, if, if these generals and these rulers, not rulers, I get, but the heads of countries are claiming this to be true. Uh, it's like, again, going back to uh, Steve Greer, he had said one time, there is more evidence proving the existence of UFOs and extraterrestrials than there is information against it, which I believe, I mean, just based in the realms that we've delved into and, and the information that, that we've uncovered just by re- research. Well, I mean, they they did declassify that uh, Tic Tac video. Right. They had... I mean, naval pilots out flying missions, and they're witnessing this firsthand. They're saying the speed of this thing is unreal. It's able to turn on a dime. And that goes back to the Academy of the Stars releasing the video previously to the Navy. And then the Navy coming out and saying, yeah, they got that from us. And that was Tom DeLong from Blink-182 leading that charge. Yeah, we did a show on it called What a DeLong Strange Trip It's Been. So check that show out. But, I mean, these these things are topics that are not taboo anymore. Well, yeah, and that and that leads up to the question is, is why? Why would the Pentagon be so forthcoming? Why would uh, these, uh, these um, heads of state or heads of countries – feel it okay to or feel safe enough even to come forward right now now speaking of past shows we did one um i believe it was entitled project blue beam in the new world order yes and gosh that was a long time ago 
but it it, it, it is as true today it, as it was back then when we were talking about and the technology is just advancing i mean steve and i saw videos of what project Bluebeam is doing now and it is so lifelike and interactive that you couldn't distinguish uh you know fake from uh reality right visually you couldn't distinguish the the phony right now but they've taken it even step further and they have added how, how no who knows how but they're able to condense the air around this image to be a little bit thicker so that if you would walk up to one of these images and put your hand on it it wouldn't necessarily feel like that whatever it is the texture but you would feel uh, a different disruption i guess in the in the, in the air you'd or feel pushback yeah you'd feel pressure of some sort which is pretty incredible because project bluebeam they were talking about um uh well if you uh we, I, I know we've mentioned dr carol bassin not to be mistaken with uh carol baskin yeah from, totally different from the tiger king but dr carol bassin she was with um uh Werner von braun when he was uh, on his deathbed and he was basically making uh, confessions to her saying that first it's going to be the Russians are going to be our enemy. Then after that, it's going to be terrorists. After that, we're going to identify like third, third world, world crazies. And, and the last card he said is the alien card. And he said, and it's all a lie. So if you think about all the wars over the world, now world wars are one of the biggest money makers that the earth has. And they are propagated and paid for by both sides of whatever government and whatever country. I mean, the top 1% is in on it and wars make money. Well, if, uh, if we run out of things to uh, fight about down here, or if they want to do a test run with maybe some type of virus or anything to uh see how people comply or see how people react to different types of control well project Bluebeam, again greer said that 99 percent of the people will fall for this because not only will it be projections of possibly even uh the entity or god that you worship in your language being transmitted into your brain but also back engineered or uh ufos that have been made from our deep state military, like the one that was cited in the 80s a lot, which is the boomerang, which just looks menacing. And then you have uh, the TR-3B. I mean, you won't be able to distinguish. I mean, yeah, you'll see one, and then you'll maybe see like an image that's being projected from Project Bluebeam. You won't be able to tell what's what. And so what I think that they're hoping to do is create enough fear and enough panic that it's all will come together, come together. And, and again, that's why we did the show on Project Bluebeam in the New World Order was because getting all the countries to come over to you know one currency, one world currency, one world control. And what better way than the aliens will kill you all if you don't follow our guidance. Scare the crap out of everybody. Right. So it's uh, it's it's really something to if you haven't looked into Project Bluebeam, check out our podcast on it, and then uh, you know do some research of your own because it, it it's pretty crazy. Now talking about uh, credible people, would you think that somebody that has legitimately over their life made over excess of billion dollars? Would they be credible? I guess some people would say depends on who it is. If it's Bill Gates, maybe not. But if it's uh, Bigelow Aerospace, that just may be the case. Steve, you want to tell us a little bit about Robert Bigelow and like what he's got going on? Bigelow, space entrepreneur, says aliens are right under people's noses. Space entrepreneur Robert Bigelow raised eyebrows and public interest when he made a provocative comment on the CBS News program, 60 Minutes. Bigelow told correspondent Lara Mo Logan that aliens are already here on Earth, right under people's noses. Since the program aired, UFO-curious folks around the world have wondered what Bigelow meant with that controversial statement. When asked about critics, he stated, I don't care. It doesn't change reality. He went on to include, they walk among us. You can break down their presence in two ways. The hardware, which is spacecrafts, and secondly, the actual presence of them. Look around, he said. You can see it everywhere. I like that. I, I like that a lot. That's real cool, yeah. Because uh, 
Now, Robert Bigelow, if you don't know anything about him, he would be a man that is in the know. I mean, he... Uh, now, I don't know if we cover this in this show or not because this was a little surprise, but um, from what I remember looking into him, he uh, he spent more money on looking into extraterrestrial life and, and, and advancement into space than any other one person in history. And uh, what I find interesting is that it seems that NASA and, pro- and the military ha- are using some of Robert Bigelow's aerospace to conduct whatever we'll never know until they spring it on us or who knows it becomes part of project blue beam because what they're doing is since uh bigelow aerospace is a is a privately owned company nobody can ask for a freedom of information act on it on what's going on in there so there's the loophole so he's a man that's in the know he's created things for the international space station like additional rooms that they send up and they connect to it and then it just expands and then it gives more room in the International Space Station. So if anybody would know uh, Bigelow, uh, Musk, I mean, guys of these stature, the, those, um, the, the former uh, president of Canada, all that stuff. You want to keep going? Okay, this, this part here is about Robert Bigelow and Robert Lazar. A once obscure military base in Nevada is known all over the world as Area 51. It's inspired books, movies, news stories, and theories. The man who put Area 51 on the map is a UFO whistleblower named Bob Lazar. When Bob Lazar's astounding claims first surfaced in 1989, the UFO stampede began. The public and the media flocked to the outskirts of Area 51. Lazar claimed alien technology was stored and tested at a hidden facility near Area 51. One of the first people to take an interest in Lazar was Las Vegas businessman Robert Bigelow, a billionaire who's since spent more money on UFO research than any one person in history. There it is. Yeah. Bigelow has never spoken out about Lazar publicly until he sat down with George Knapp. Lazar and Bigelow formed a company together named Zeta Reticuli 2, and Bigelow financed a small lab for Lazar to conduct work. Wow. Well, so there you have Bob Lazar, basically the guy credited for putting Area 51 and S4 on the map. And uh, Bigelow from Bigelow Aerospace is financing an office for him to do research. I mean... Those reports are going right to Bigelow really wants to know stuff, man. Yeah, oh, totally does. I mean, knowledge is power, especially in that industry. And also, it says a small lab. I bet if you walk into that lab, it's not small. Well, I think I can recall um, an interview I saw with Bigelow, and the, uh, the small office or small lab was actually a big warehouse. Yeah, it's an entire building. Right. So, uh, yeah, keep going. Bigelow stated in an interview with George Knapp, we're in Las Vegas, right? So if you were to bet against Bob Lazar and what he's saying, you would be betting against substantial odds. Bigelow stated earlier in the interview that he has spent much time with Lazar and says he believes Lazar and the information is credible. How about that one part? What, what's where that? Where he says, uh, I'm a man of means and I offered Bob Lazar uh, oh, yeah. Uh, he didn't disclose the amount of money, but basically... An obscene amount. Yeah, so imagine you're a billionaire, so say upwards of $40, 50000000 million, it would sound like, to basically come out, and, and this is private conversation, to just tell him privately, is it all BS that you've been talking about, or do you really have Element 115? And if so, tell me, and I'll give you this money. And he said he did not falter. He was like, so to me... That's a man of credibility. I mean, what $50 million, you can just be like, you know what? Screw you all. I was lying, <laughs> and now I got $50 million, you know? but Well, Lazar has stuck to his story and has always been known as the most credible UFO whistle- whistleblower. Well, yeah. I mean, that's one of the things Bigelow said about him as well was uh, he said, when I first met him and was spending some time with him, he said, I put him through numerous tests that, that I had to find out that if he was lying by bringing up uh, the same situation over you know a course of days and see if the conversation would change and he said it really didn't no he's stuck to his guns the whole way through yeah so knapp asked bigelow about element 115 like you said folks uh on on pentium what 
what is it used for? And uh, he said it's used to fuel the ET crafts. If Bob discussed it with him or discussed it with or discussed aerogel. Now, aerogel is a synthetic, porous, ultralight material derived from a gel in which the liquid component for the gel has been replaced with a gas without significant collapse of the gel structure. The result is a solid with extremely low density and extremely low thermal conductivity. So their fuel is in a gel form of un- well, unpentium. Don't don't jump ahead yet because keep keep going and it'll explain. Nap says Lazar told him aerogel was the packaging for uh, element 115. Bigelow said he's not sure if aerogel was the packaging for element 115 or something completely separate with the shipment, but believes Lazar. Which is pretty incredible because aerogel is now something that can be purchased. It's, I believe it's extremely expensive, but it's one of the most durable uh, components on Earth, if you will, right now. I mean, the way that it breathes and it's ultra light, it's deri- well, it is a gel. And it can be replaced with a gas without significant collapse of the structure. If that doesn't sound like something that came directly out of outer space, I really don't know what it does. I mean, in what harm would that would would Deep State have revealing something like that? Just being like, look what scientists came up with. They're not showing you on Unpentium the actual fuel for these spacecraft that Lazar has said there's been. He saw seven in the hangars, and he said with this uh, 115 on Unpentium that it had to be. It was a big piece, and it had, and just a little piece had to be cut off of it, but it had to be cut in such a diagonal way that if it wasn't cut precisely, when you put it into, for the lack of a better term, the engine of the craft, it wouldn't, it wouldn't power. It wouldn't work. So, so everything had to be precise, the exact amount, the way that it was cut, the angle, everything. So, And uh, he believed that aerogel was the packaging to protect it, but who knows? It's crazy. Now... What's come out of all these different scenarios, all these different whistleblowers coming forward and what have you, uh, insiders, makes you question, well, how many civilizations are really out there? Now, the question has come up in many different platforms, many different interviews, and there's been a range from 36 to 82, which is is a large difference. But if you think about if it's just 36, just 36 within our Milky Way galaxy, which is no um, hop, skip, and a jump. I mean, it's 100 million light years, but still 36 alien civilizations within our Milky Way system that we're interacting with. I mean, some have said it's as high as 82. Now, how many intelligent alien civilizations are out there among the hundreds of billions of stars in the spiral arms of the Milky Way? Well, according to some calculations, the answer is between 36 and 82. The number assumes that life on Earth is more or less representative of the way that life evolves anywhere in the universe. Now, on a rocky planet, an appropriate distance away from a a suitable star, after about 5 billion years, if that assumption is true, humanity may not exactly be alone in the galaxy, but any neighbors are probably too far away to ever meet. On the other hand, that assumption that life everywhere will evolve on the same timeline as life on Earth is a huge one, said Seth Shostak, a senior astronomer at SETI Institute in Mount View, California, who was not involved in any new study. That means that the seeming precision of the calculations is misleading. If you relax those big, big assumptions, those numbers can be anything you want, Shostak told Live Science. Now, what are the, do we have any distant neighbors? Well, the question of whether humans are alone in the universe is complete unknown, of course. But in 1961, astronomer Frank Drake introduced a way to think about the odds known as the Drake equation. This formulation rounds up the variables that determine whether or not humans are likely to find or be found by intelligent extraterrestrials. The average rate of a star formation per year in the galaxy, the fraction of those stars with planets, the fraction of those planets that form any or or that form an ecosystem, and the even smaller fraction that develop life. Next comes the fraction of life bearing planets that give rise to intelligent life, as opposed to, say, alien algae. This is further divided into the fraction of intelligent extraterrestrial life that develops communication detectable for humans. (laughs) 
Now, the final variable is the average length of time that communicating alien civilizations last. The Milky Way is about 14 billion years old. If most intelligent communicating civilizations last a few hundred years at most, the chances that Earthlings will overlap with their communications is measly at best. Now, solving the Drake equation isn't possible because the values of most of the variables are unknown. But University of Nottingham astrophysicist Christopher Conselis and his colleagues were interested in taking a stab at it with new data about a star formation and the existence of exoplanets or planets that circle other stars outside of our own solar system. They published a paper. This paper could have been written a few years ago, Consolas told Live Science. So, uh, let's, so then the team, the team calculated the age distribution of stars in the Milky Way, looking for those at least 5 billion years old and presumably old enough to host a human-like civilization. They found that 97% of the stars in the Milky Way are older than 5 billion years. Our solar system at 4.5 billion years old is a relative newbie in the galaxy, Consolas said, so it made sense that many stars in the Milky Way are older. The researchers then calculated the number of those stars that are dense enough and stable enough to host planetary systems. A third of the stars older than 5 billion years qualified. Next, Using what astronomers know about the distribution of exoplanets, the researchers estimated the number of rocky planets within the habitable zones of those stars. They also calculated which stars are metal-rich, enough to have orbiting rocky planets with the kind of elements you might need to construct, say, radio transmitter. Finally, they set a lower limit of lifespan of communication civilization at 100 years, based on Earth's timeline with radio technology so far. The result? If life on other planets follows the same trajectory as Earth, there are 36 intelligent, communicating extraterrestrial civilizations sharing the Milky Way with humans today. There is an uncertainty in this estimate, with a range from four other civilizations up to 211. If alien civilizations are likely to be distributed evenly throughout the Milky Way, our nearest neighbor would likely be 17,000 light years away. Now that means we're quite unlikely to get in touch. The researchers calculated that a theoretical alien civilization would have to be broadcasting detectable signals for approximately 3,060 years for us to pick up on them. That means to establish a two-way conversation which such civilization humanity and the aliens would have to hold it together for another 6,120 years. Now my problem with their research on that is that everything that they're saying is based on their knowledge of, of our world, our physics, how their understanding of physics, they might think that, okay, we, we've reached what you can with physics because then everything else falls into like fringe science and, and things of that nature. But they probably don't. Uh, I know Steve and I have talked about this many times uh, when talking about aliens, um, that one part that I love in, uh, in, in the movie um, The Day the Earth Stood Still is um, there's this uh, professor, I, I, let's say Harvard, one of the top Ivy League schools, and when uh, Keanu Reeves walks in with, uh, we'll say his handler, the girl that's helping him in the movie, he sees this large equation on the board, and it's obviously, I don't know, astrophysics or something, and Keanu Reeves goes up and he starts to erase it, and his handler's like, oh, I wouldn't do that, and he's like, he won't mind. And when the guy comes back in and looks at the board and reads the equation and sees that it's correct, he just turns to Keanu Reeves and is like, my God, it's you. He knew because who else could have been able to possibly figure that out? He thought he was like at a, at a standstill that you know, his understanding didn't go any further. Well, it may not have been – science may not have gone that far yet. Correct. That could be the case too. But that can go hand in hand in that argument. Right. And it's the same with the communication if you're looking at communication with the uh, constraints being what we have as far as technology here on Earth, I mean, these, these are projected from radio waves, uh, and you have to stay within the constraints of physics. If another civilization is that far advanced from us where they've created an anti-gravity machine that's big enough, maybe their whole world, that throws physics right out the door. Their communications uh, technology could be well advanced. Well, they would have to be. I mean, l uh, let's let's talk about 
just the, the tic-tac video for a brief second. I mean, the maneuvers that it was making, the speeds that it was traveling at, it would have to have its own gravitational disruptor. force field. Yeah, disruptor in front because inertia it would kill them. It was showing no inertia exactly. and also going down underwater, yeah. their crafts don't have any displacement inertia, so they just zip right through water just like it's right through air. Right, and you know, talking about uh, recent... Uh, sightings in the news was in in hawaii uh where i used to live they uh there was film of like these blue craft in the air and then they just plunged into the ocean i mean and the uh the information out there on usos underwater submerged objects or unidentified submerged objects uh great out there i mean you can see there's pictures out there where you can see like uh, pathways that they've made like along the, the, the seaboard and they tracked them at first thinking that they were uh, some type of animal species but the rate at which it traveled there like, it, it can't be it's pretty incredible i mean and and, and again it, has, it comes back why is it why is it in the news uh who knows what are they going to roll out is there going to be some type of fake hoax with uh, project Bluebeam, or are they trying to prepare us on uh an enlightened level so that we can share in with the with the trading of the uh alien species but if i had to guess with the uh powers that be in, in on our earth i would say that the uh project Bluebeam is more likely yeah i don't i mean it does seem more common now um when we were young children anyone who was of that stature and came out talking about aliens would have gotten laughed off of TV. Certainly. I mean, and, and my love for the unknown came from my father, which one of the oldest memories I can have about talking about this topic. I asked him about, uh, extraterrestrials. I said, do you, you know, I was a small child. Do you believe that there are aliens, uh, in outer space? And he said, I do, he said, but I don't think that we need to go as far as outer space. He, and he told me, I think that they walk here among us. And that stuck to my head all the time because what we're going to get into next is like a, like a different list of, of extraterrestrial beings that people have firsthand testimony on. And, you know, some come across looking like uh, just like you and I, male, female, and uh, you wouldn't be able to tell by looking directly at them. So, Steve, take it away. So we've got a list of alleged extraterrestrial beings, different uh, different types that are from different parts of the country, some that have been seen in every part of the country. But I think if you're going to start off a list of ETs, you would have to start off with the grays. 100%. I agree with you. Gray-skinned humanoids, usually three to four feet tall, hairless, with large heads, black almond-shaped eyes, nostrils without a nose, slits for mouths, no ears, three to four fingers, including thumb. Grays have been the predominant extraterrestrial beings of alleged alien contact since the 1960s very good i like that we and have those those are the ones that you see in the movies those are the ones that you see if you look back at uh if you look at our podcast <laughs> i mean it's our it's basically our cover photo at this point <laughs> yeah it's it's pretty much the standard right uf right, or right. Uh, alien if you will we also have the pleiades the pleiadians humanoids with stereotistic typical nordic features tall blonde blue eyes and have a feature in several cases of contact and have featured in several cases of contact it is said that they are from ancient earth but presenting themselves as ets in the past they move from living on the surface to live underground around the himalaya areas after a natural event that one's cool because those nordics could yeah i mean my wife's blonde hair and blue eyed now she's not a tall nordic so is she an alien? I mean, if she is, I wish she would just come clean already. <laughs> <laughs> She's been sent here to observe you. I think so. So this one's cool. Cryptozoological animals and cryptobotanical plants. Some people claim that many of the various allegedly real creatures from the Fortrine archives are related 
are and related reports of anomalous phenomena are actually of extraterrestrial origin or mixed origin extraterrestrial hypothesis like a hybrid oh like a hybrid interdimensional hypothesis and crypto terrestrial hypothesis hypothesis thank you often associated with the occult and esoteric and linked with supernatural and paranoia happenings Others dismiss these and explain them away via skeptical culture tracking and via psychosocial hypothesis, as well as some of these being money-grabbing hoaxes and scams to sell more newspapers or more fringe science books, often linked to boost commercial activities by means of local tourism popularizing media spins. Very good. So those are like the... uh, Guardians of the Galaxy, the Groot, and the little fox character, cryptozoological aliens. Right. Now, ones that may be a little bit more popular, and we've definitely talked about these in in past shows. I think we did, what was the show that we did on uh, Saturn? Oh, yeah, the rings, the tone of the rings. Yeah, it was like, well, what's what's the shape on top? I'm trying to think of what the... Like the shape of a stop sign is uh, a hexagon. Yeah. Oh, yeah. The, the the hexagon on Saturn or something. Check that show out. Look for that one. It's good. But the the reptilians uh, are tall, scaly humanoids. Reptilian humanoids being date back at least as far as ancient Egypt with the crocodile head river god Sebek. The reptilian theory has been advocated by David Icke. And David Icke's a great listen. He's got a lot of information on the reptilians and Saturn. And basically that the reptilians are not a good race. They are uh, evil here and that they're using the, – well, go listen to uh, that episode on Saturn and because and, and, we go into it fully there. Yeah, you got, there's uh, part of reptilians, the draconians. Right. And the Orion reptilians. Correct. And that's what the, basically the – part of or if not the whole of that galactic federation is also trying to protect us from because they're not loving beings they uh they thrive off of our 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 fear and depression and things of that nature so that's why there's so much what the claim is that's why there's so much ugliness in the world so but i mean that's that that's just a a a few because we've talked about got uh, your insectoids yeah insectoids uh, you know that's one of our our shows that uh, we're going to do one in full on is insectoids. So that may be coming out here in in the next few months. Steve, you have anything to add as far as uh, the descriptions? Uh, well, I mean, there is. You don't know Mothman could possibly be uh, from Alien Origin. That's a show that we did certainly, um, and what turned out great. If you haven't listened to Mothman yet, you should definitely check that show out from us. But that was one of those things where even in the show we discussed possible ET origin there. So well, yeah, I mean, and maybe not necessarily extraterrestrial, but interdimensional as well. Which uh, we've done shows on that um, where people have stepped back in time or to another time or uh, basically a uh, a, 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 a side-by-side or a parallel universe, but it's just shifted a little bit. Like I think we told a story about a girl that she woke up and her boyfriend like came over but they had been broken up for a while and she was in different colored pajamas and she went to work but they were like, you don't work on this floor and and to this day she she never found her way back some people have gone back to their real time some people have reached into a parallel dimension and paralyzed half half of their body forever i mean check out parallel universes we 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 talk about that in full as well there is a difference there's a subsection of grays they have the the regular grays then they have the tall grays or uh tall whites really not much is known about that group um, what they say is that the tall grays are responsible for creating the, the small grays to as like a, like a slave race or the ones that come here for the abductions and the, uh, uh, and the probing to get the information to pass on to the tall grays, which are actually responsible for the uh, interwoven of DNA and things of that nature, supposedly. Oh, that makes sense. Yeah. So they say they, they can grow up to 10 feet tall. They would probably be pretty noticeable. Yeah, you'd be able to tell. Maybe they hide in like, uh, um, 
you know some of the some of those tribes in Africa, you know, like where Minute Bull came from. Oh yeah, I mean, he was like what seven nine. That's pretty close. I mean, maybe with mixed with the DNA of humans, it, it shrunk him a couple feet. Yeah, a little hybrid. Yeah. Well, Steve, I just have to say, so how, we we did the show that you wanted to off the cusp. Uh, how do you feel? Do I we, feel do we cover so enough inf- information, or do we need to keep going? No, I really, I just am so happy that we were able to come out here, go back to our roots, uh, speak from our wheelhouse. There was a couple of new things that that came ab- about um, the Israeli, the Canadian leaders of the the free world are coming out and. I think it's great. I think that you're going to see more of it. I think the media is going to stop with the bias that has been around for so long. People are not going to get laughed off of TV anymore the, the second that they mention extraterrestrials. I think it's going to become more commonplace in our in our society. Yeah, I do too. And from a like a like a like a darker view of why I think maybe that uh, mainstream media will push it as well, push the agenda, is because. I like to say that everything always comes back to money. Now, they talk about there's asteroids out there worth trillions of dollars in gold and everything. Now, we may be working on the technology to be go intercept those and, and bring home those those valuable jewels or, or gold. But in the meantime, how far out is that is that technology for us? So maybe we're going to need to incorporate the use of technology and or... Uh, extraterrestrials and the only way to get it here is be like well people are going to see it so let's just reveal it and be like look we're working hand in hand for the betterment of humanity and it's re- it's going to do away with taxes you know it's on the way down the line with our grandkids who knows but i'm all for it i mean i i, I think that the the bs that was put out by i can't remember the actual report i think that was in the 60s that said not to reveal any of the information because there would be mass hysteria i don't think so anymore uh, i think um I think there's a lot of people that have become a little bit more spiritual, even outside of the realm of necessarily an organized religion, and even even religion, because there's been uh, high cardinals uh, uh, within the Catholic Church that that live at the Vatican that have come forward and said we need to uh, treat extraterrestrials when they come as as our brothers and sisters. Now they said when, not if. I mean, and they got to bring all the power elites together. I mean, you know, on, on, onto the same hoax or whatever they may have rolled out who knows but that's the exciting part so keep an open mind keep an open heart yeah and uh keep your eyes towards the sky and until next time i'm Fultz, and i'm steve and we'll see you next time take care of one another bye-bye